following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Friday, December 7th. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Dan, we'll start with you. How are you on this Thursday evening? Do and well, my friend, ready for a fun weekend in Cleveland. How about yourself? Uh, I'm ready for a fun weekend in Chicago. How about Anshu? How's he feeling tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm ready for a fun weekend in not Cleveland, which is, yeah, it's gonna, it'll be good. Looking forward to hanging with Dan's ex-roommate this weekend without him there. It should be a great time. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> this show's heavy football, and uh, speaking of heavy football, Derrick Henry is off to quite the start to his night. Uh, 11 carries for 219 yards and four touchdowns halfway through the third quarter. The Titans are putting a whooping on the Jaguars, and that defense that everybody's talked so highly of is not looking very good at all, and it looks like they just quit. They look like the Bengals' defense here in this game, Anshu. What do you have to say for this Jaguars team? Have they given up? Uh, honestly, no, I don't think they have. Like, they, I thought they were playing hard. Jalen Ramsey has had some nice breakups on both Corey Davis and Taylor Taylor, I thought. But And I, I thought Cody Kessler's kind of good times in this game. It's just they've gotten close. They they didn't get a fourth down. Kessler fumbles it here in the third quarter. Um, you know, he's 17-24 for 159 yards, taking three sacks. Not great by any means, but... I really don't think he's looked that bad. Like, you know, I don't think he's a huge downgrade from Blake Bortles. It's just one of those things where Henry rips off that 99-yard run, and it's so demoralizing when you think of the turnaround. That's a 14-point swing on two plays. Um, You know, the game is totally different if that goes the other way. So just one of those things. I mean, this is a Jags team that shut up the like an awesome Colts offense last week, 6 nothing. So, my guess is they, they haven't given up, but they, they may now going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I, the tackling has been absolutely terrible. It, it, Derrick Henry gets out to that True. second level, and it, nobody's even trying to wrap him up. I mean, obviously, he's a big guy. He's a big guy to take down. But I agree with you with Cody Kessler. I mean, he's looked great, especially on a couple of his uh, deeper throws. I mean, they've been on point. There's been a couple that have been dropped, but he's looked pretty good overall in this game. Uh, you know, Dan, you know Cody Kessler all too well. Are you impressed, even even with the score, what it is? Are you impressed with what he's been able to do against this really good uh, Tennessee defense obviously he's not scoring any points but he's moving the ball pretty well I mean impressed is kind of a big word this is one of those things we oftentimes see guys subs in it's a flash in the pan uh obviously there's tape on him from back in his days in Cleveland but uh, I don't think anybody should be excited in Jacksonville that he is your guy of the future uh we all know Hugh Jackson believed very much in Cody Kessler and said you just have to trust me on that one and we all know uh, what happened us Hugh Jackson so I think it's pumped the brakes a little bit on Cody Kessler yes he's looked good yes he's 
uh, kept this team at least looking mild float in what's a pretty quick, quickly sinking ship. Uh, but I think uh, you know, tap the brakes a little bit on on Cody Kessler going to Ken. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody's anybody's implying that Cody Kessler is a future <laughs> Hall of Famer. If that's what you read into no. that, but uh, that's he, a dead move. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's eighteen to twenty four last week, no touchdowns. He's nineteen to twenty eight as we speak right now, no touchdowns. Um, but you know, obviously, the Jaguars are used to having game manager type quarterbacks and. It's just it's a rough go for this team where a lot of t- a lot of people had them as their pick in the AFC after coming off of being the runner up in the AFC a year ago and it's just been a terrible season for net been injured a lot of the way Bortles has been pretty bad turning the ball over in this defense you know wh- when they need to be performing their best you know in games like tonight you ju- where you can you know, at least show try to salvage your season uh, there's there's people just completely uh, not even trying to make a tackle on Derrick Henry, who has his highest career total in yardage in, on only 11 carries in this game, including a 99-yarder, which ties Tony Dorsett's record. Uh, so a pretty outstanding performance from him. Uh, but the Titans still alive in the playoff picture. They're 7-6, and six, and we're going to talk about some other teams here that are alive in the playoff picture as well, not one of which being the Cincinnati Bengals. But the Chargers have an opportunity here at home uh, to try to make a push here for home field advantage, aren't you? I know we talked about this on our other show, but uh, do you think the Chargers here run away with this one? And I, I really want to know specifically, do you think they can cover that 14-point spread? Uh, I mean, they definitely can, um, especially when you take A.J. Green out of the picture. It's it's just going to be so hard for the Bengals to score. But, you know, the thing is, if the Chargers get up early, they could run away with it and then sort of ice their entire offense. And if that's the case, the chance to backdoor cover it. So I would not bet on that spread either way. I don't see the Bengals winning that game. But we, as we said, like, I mean, the Chargers have made a habit out of choking away games they should win. So... I like I wouldn't feel great about it either way definitely not with the spread but you know this could be a different Chargers team yeah, I, I think they do end up uh, winning this one big, and I think it is a spread that they could cover. Uh, Dan, let's talk about your Browns. Uh, you guys have an opportunity this weekend to, to try to, to right the ship after a tough loss in Houston. Uh, what do you think your Browns are able to do here against the Panthers team that's reeling? I think there's a shot. I mean, it's going to be in Cleveland. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be cold. Uh, you know, you get that the home field advantage. This is going to be a game that Cleveland fans are pretty jacked up for. Uh, that stadium is going to be loud. It's going to be December football in Cleveland that's mildly meaningful uh, with that big 2% chance we have to make the playoffs and all. Uh, but, hey, it's it's better than what we've seen in years past. So I think it's possible. Uh, I mean, obviously, the – the key to this is the Browns have to be able to, to run the football. Um, Nick Chubb's obviously been able to do that, uh, but this is going to be a game that you have to control uh, Christian McCaffrey, and then you have to run the ball. I mean, it's going to be handoff after handoff, and we're finally going to see what Baker can do in cold weather. Uh, you know, he's played a lot of football in the South, and I'm I'm very much excited to watch see if he can uh, you know if he can live up to this. You always hear in the draft guys talking about hand size and the ability to play in the cold and and that was one of the questions on Baker. so uh time will tell and i'm excited to see what baker can do fair staying in the nfc south don't you we've got saints buccaneers obviously the saints coming off that tough loss to dallas uh do you think that they can right the ship in tampa no pun intended 
<laughs> nice. Uh, I do. I think that with the mini buy that they get after that Cowboys game where they were embarrassed on national television, I, I think that they come back. They've got a lot to play for as far as the top seed goes. They want to bring the rain into the Superdome the way that they had it a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I think that they just hang a ton of points on the Bucks. I do think the Bucks at eight and a half point dogs, I think that's a little bit too big of a line, but I do think that the Saints come in and just roll. Like, I mean, I, and this over is, I think it's what, eight, the total is like 58 and a half or something. It's, it's high, and uh, I really like the over in that anyway. The way Tampa's been playing, they've come off the mat nicely, um, did a really good job against the Panthers, got to play for. Jameis looks a lot better um, in total control, and uh, yeah, I like this to be a huge point explosion for both teams. I'm liking this rapid fire back and forth. I'm going to go back to Dan here for Patriots-Dolphins. I know we talked about the Dolphins being frauds all year. Uh, the Patriots kind of in a position where they can, like we were just talking about with the Chargers, stay in the hunt for a, a, a bye during that wild card weekend. Uh, do you think the Patriots are able to uh, figure things out here against Miami where they've had some trouble in the past? Well, as a guy who's worst in getting those first-round playoff buys, uh, I, will, <laughs> <laughs> I will say. Okay. Yes. <laughs> act like you've been there. We know you haven't, but act like you have. He literally hasn't. Yeah. Um, That's a fantasy reference for the folks out there. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any chance. The that playoffs Dolphins... have been a fantasy to Dan up until this year, from what I've been told. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, uh, back to the the point at hand. I mean, uh, I don't. I think the Dolphins will cover. I mean, seven and a half is a lot of points, uh, especially with the Dolphins being at home and and this team has been playing better. Uh, I. I I go back to what you said before. We've talked all year how this Miami team is really just a fraud. Um, I mean, they barely beat the Bills. Uh, they get beat by the Colts, uh, get waxed by the Packers, barely beat the Jets. I mean, this is just – this is a team that is nowhere near the record that they uh, – you know, nowhere near as good as their record reflects. And this Patriots team, it's, it's December, uh, and it's finally where the Patriots really get rolling. So I expect the Patriots to – to win, uh, maybe not by that, probably not by that seven and a half, but I'd say by a touchdown. All right, Anshu, your boy Andrew Luck, he's coming off of a tough game against these Jacksonville Jaguars. They they get shut out by the Jags last week, 6 nothing. Uh, they have an opportunity to go into Houston, and really this is fighting for their playoff lives. They sit at 6-6, six and six, the Texans winners of nine straight. Do you think Andrew Luck is able to lead this team to a victory and keep them in the playoff push? Uh, I do think that the four and a half is a little high. I, I think that this is kind of a recently biased situation where the Colts just went into Jacksonville and, you know, they, they couldn't close the couple drives. But I actually like them to go into Houston and win outright. I think that the Texans do for a loss. Um, I, I know they're a tough team to play out there, but I really like the way that Andrew Locke and that offense was playing before last weekend. I think that T.Y. Hilton, although he's been banged up this week in practice, I think that Hilton and Ebron get going. And uh, I expect them to put too many points on the board for uh, for the Texans to keep against an underrated Colts defense. Wow, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that. I mean, the Texans have been on an absolute roll. Uh, I think the Texans win this one. I think it does come down to a field goal. I would take the spread. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I just I don't know if I could see it. I don't know that Luck is playing his best football right now, and I, I just don't trust the Colts 
in crunch time. I don't know. I, th- I think the Texans win this one. Uh, Dan, what about Ravens Chiefs? We've got the Baltimore Ravens, obviously one of our AFC North foes, sitting at seven and five. Lamar Jackson now three and zero as a starter. Uh, they go into Kansas City and have an opportunity to really make a make a play to to solidify their opportunity to get a playoff spot. This would be the game to make a statement. But Kansas City six and a half point favorites at home, obviously without Kareem Hunt. But uh, do you think the Chiefs are able to hold home against this Baltimore Ravens defense? Yeah, bolstered their receiving core with Calvin Benjamin. Uh, I don't think we really talked about that uh, on the podcast. That it might have happened just uh, since we recorded last. But um, no, I, I, this Kansas City team is, is going to keep rolling. It's at home. Uh, Baltimore is just question after question of who's going to be healthy, who's going to play quarterback. Uh, I don't think we even still know yet who's going to be able to take a legit or the majority of the snap, snaps on Sunday. Um, so, I mean, it's just if you go down the injury report, it is not good uh, in terms of their secondary. I mean, everyone's either questionable or hurt for Baltimore. Expect a big, big day uh, from the Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. All right, aren't you? It's time for your Packers, 4-7-1. and one. They host the 4-8 and eight Falcons. I've got to give you an opportunity to talk about your team. They're favored here by 5 and a half. Uh, I know it's been a rough go of it of late for the pack. I know you lost your head coach, which we've talked about on the last show. Uh, but can they win here against the Falcons? Obviously, the Falcons have been a little banged up as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're favored by five and a half. They should win. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see how they play after the whole Mike McCarthy stuff. Apparently, Mike McCarthy comes back and <laughs> comes and addresses the team on a Wednesday after he's fired on a Sunday, which I thought was really weird. Um, you know, it doesn't happen very frequently. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. It seems like the Packers are kind of rallying around Joe Philbin. This is considered a four-game test for him as a, a, like a tryout for him as a coach. Um, you know, if they do well, there's a chance he ends up staying. Aaron Rodgers loves him. Aaron Rodgers will likely take the reins as the, cor- as the de facto coordinator. Julio Jones is banged up as he always is late in the season. I think the Packers could absolutely win at home. Um, you know, I, I don't like them covering that spread because God only knows what they're going to look like. But when you have two teams that are generally considered playoff likely uh, teams and then have both aren't going to make the playoffs and are playing each other late in the season, it's just like a weird situation with spreads and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think they win. I, I doubt they cover the spread, though. That that twelve o'clock slate looks very nice. A lot of a lot of big games there. The three o'clock slate, not so much. We've got Eagles Cowboys. That's the big one, Dan. Uh, Carson Wentz been very inconsistent of late. The Cowboys seem to be finally finding their stride. They're three and a half point favorites in Dallas. Uh, do you think that the Eagles can somehow go into Dallas and get a win to make this division race interesting down the stretch? Man, this Dallas team is just continuing to baffle us and make us look stupid on every podcast we do because I feel like we we just get this team wrong every time um, and so I, I don't want to bet against them I mean this Eagles team that we've had a hard time uh, pinning down but Carson Wentz just really did not look good last year. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, off there, but a bad pass that all, that near interception was terribly through um, and just missing Zach Ertz on a bunch of what should have been pretty easy passes uh, and, and Carson Wentz just does not look right at this point. Uh, and like I said, Dallas is really just rolling. So I'll take Dallas and to keep it going and really take control of that division. 
I, I just think I, I I want to agree with you, but I just think that the Eagles. This is the kind of game that that happens in this division where you think it's going to go a certain way, and somebody's going to take the reins, and then the the team that has an opportunity to stay alive down the stretch ends up winning. And I, I, we've seen that so many times in this division with the Redskins and you know the Giants and the Cowboys. I, I think the Eagles win this one. I, I know it's not the the sexy pick, but I think they do take this one. Um, Anshu, there's not a, like, there's not a lot else there when we're looking at these three o'clock games. Is there any of these other three that you you know wanted to touch on? I think the Broncos 49ers is interesting because uh, the Broncos are in a position now down the stretch with a bit of an easy schedule to to make a playoff push as well. But other than that, I mean, we're looking at Lions, Cardinals, and Steelers, Raiders, and the other three o'clock games. Not exactly a sexy slate. No, I mean, the Broncos, the thing is, yeah, they should go and win, but they're now down two of probably their three best players. What do you think of Chris Harris being out for the next few weeks and then Emmanuel Sanders out for the season? So going to be an uphill climb for them. Philip Lindsay has really, you know, catapulted himself into being one of the best running backs in the league this year. Um, but, you know, that's that's no gimme, and not, neither are the other games they have left. Lions Cardinals sucks. Steelers Raiders, I mean, the Raiders played – like fought hard against uh, the Chiefs last week, but that seemed like a look-ahead game. What the Steelers look like without James Conner will be somewhat interesting, but I think the story of those games is just, you know, what are these injuries going to mean for these playoff contenders, the Broncos and the Steelers? All right, that wasn't fair of me. Let's give you an opportunity to talk about your hated <laughs> Bears. Uh, Rams go to the go to come to Chicago, I should say, to take on the Bears. This is a big game as far as playoff implications are concerned in the NFC. The Rams are road road favorites here. Uh, the weather, you know, I think could play a factor, but it looks as of now like things should be pretty clear. But I know you'd like to see the Bears drop this home one. I will, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that it's going to be an interesting game, you know, similar to Chiefs-Ravens where you've got, uh, you know, an unstoppable force, a movable object situation. I think in both cases – the unstoppable force of the uh, huge offense is going to do well, and that means the Chiefs and the Rams. Um, you know, I, I think that the Rams going to Chicago, and we saw what the Giants did. They hung 30 on the Bears last week. You know, there was a defensive touchdown in there, but, you know, largely they were able to move the ball pretty easily. This Rams offense puts that Giants offense to shame. Um, I think Robert Woods goes off. I, I really like the Rams to, uh, to win, to cover the spread and, and to just win out right here in Chicago, although that crowd will be crazy and it will be cold, so if the wind is blowing, it might make it a little bit trickier for the Rams. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think the crowd will be crazy, and the, the finally this Bears crowd has something to cheer about for once, but yeah, this is a tough matchup for the Bears. I think that uh, the Rams will have a lot of ways to beat them, but Jared Goff did look you know, a little bit less than uh, expected last week. He had one of his worst games of the year. A week ago, and I, if they can hold Goff in check, they have a real opportunity to win this one. I think it's going to come down to how that Bears defense plays. Uh, Dan, let's close it out with Monday night's game, uh, or should we save that for the for the Monday show? I'll, I'll leave it. Yeah, to we you. can save that. All right, let's yeah, save we can it. save that. Let's save it because I know you wanted to get to a couple pieces of baseball news, and Dan, I'll let you kind of tell our listeners a few of the moves that took place the last couple of days, and then I want to hear Anshu's reaction because I probably won't have an interesting one. <laughs> uh, well, we'll start with the two big signings first uh, on the rubber. Avaldi uh, goes for four years, $67.5 million, uh, back to the Red Sox, which I think is an absurd deal. I mean, he was a superstar for that team and essentially won him a World Series uh, on his right arm. So, uh, I mean, good for him for cashing in on that one. I think that's a big overpay 
The Yankees were looking at him, but the Yankees didn't want to go more than three years. Uh, I, it's just it's a questionable thing from a guy who very very talented, but uh, still really just kind of one lights out year. Uh, you know, similar to our signing we discussed uh, on our last show, right? It's given a lot of money to guys that have just kind of one stellar year, and it's it's a big roll of the dice, but. Uh, Boston obviously has plenty of money to spend, so even if it goes terribly, uh, I don't think they'll hurt too, too bad. But, yeah, four years, 67 and a half. Uh, the, the one near and dear to my heart, uh, why I got my Indian sweatshirt on right now, Carlos Carrasco signs a big extension up through the 23 season. Um, so it's uh, over the course of it between 10 and a half and up to uh, about four. Million, uh, we'll get the exact details with escalators and, and things like that. Um, but an extremely controllable uh, amount up through what will be his age 36 season uh, is the year 23 option, uh, and it's it's going to be one of those that there's going to be a domino to fall. Kluber or Bauer are likely going to be gone after this when you lock up uh, uh, what was a you know top 10 Cy Young get uh, vote getter uh, until uh, for the next six years um a lot more reason to trade one of your top guys who who doesn't have that much time controllable deal so um big big signing for the indians to get carrasco locked down uh and shout out to them for just developing a guy who who was never supposed to be a scion contender uh, and now just gets a uh, three-year 37 and a half million dollar extension um the other big the big trade was paul goldschmidt on his way to St. Louis in return for essentially a bunch of, of prospects, but top, very top level ones as well. I'm actually going to kick it to Anshu on this one um, and get his take uh, on exactly the return. I, I know a lot of what I was reading uh, was that it seemed like a bit of an overplay, especially because he's only got Goldschmidt only has one year left on his deal, but the card's really going all in on this one. So interested to see uh, if Anshu thinks that it was a good return or not. Uh, yeah, just real quick on the two guys, as you mentioned, I mean, I think that the Carrasco deal is incredibly team-friendly for the second time. I mean, the Indians have just raked Carlos Carrasco over the coals with his two deals. I mean, I know he came from almost nothing, so he gives a lot of credit to the Tribe for discovering him and, you know, enhancing his career, but uh, he's meant a lot to them, and he will continue to at that price, just an unreal bargain for the Indians who really needed it as they look to their future and the potential of re-signing Lindor and maybe adding to what they have right now, but like you said, likely to trade one of those two other guys. Uh, I agree with you on Ivaldi. I mean, you know, the fact that he's going back makes me think that they probably see something in him that we don't, but, you know, I just think that this is a case of getting a little emotional after winning a World Series and just keeping your guy. Um, I hate that move for them. I think that he's, you know, he's too old. He's coming off Tommy John. He's way too dependent on a super fastball after being hurt I, I, with his arm. I don't like that with uh, Ivaldi. Um, all right, but then, yeah, there, there's a goalie move, and I think the Cardinals gave up a ton here. I know Goldschmidt's, you know, this, this huge star that everyone's talking about, but the reality is the Cardinals really wanted a window to talk extension with Goldschmidt, and he just flat-out refused. He said, absolutely not. I'm going to free agency next year. He's a he's a Houston fan. He wants to go. I think he wants to go to the Astros next year. Um, you know, it would not surprise me if this is a one-year rental, maybe not even a full year if the Cardinals are really bad. Yes, they're in the market for Bryce Harper and others, but I, I would not be surprised at all if they tank and then they end up trading Goldschmidt at the deadline. Just keep an eye on that because he will not resign with there. He just does not want to do it. So something to keep an eye on. And I think that given that, they give up a ton. I mean, not only did they give up a competitive balance pick, which is like a mid, you know, first, second rounder, 
They also gave up Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly way low. Carson Kelly was a number one catcher or number two behind Francisco Mejia, depending on who you ask, where you read. And then Luke Weaver, they just they sold low on this guy. This guy has the potential to be a really good like number two slash three starter. And when you're getting a rental of a Paul Goldschmidt, even a Paul Goldschmidt who you know is five wins above replacement, which is incredible, obviously average over the last three years. I just I don't really like really the best player in the deal. Make no mistake about it, but. I think of this as a pure rental, and they gave up a ton for a pure rental. I mean, especially if you compare it to, like, what the Dodgers gave up for Machado, who's a similarly valued player as Goldschmidt. I just thought they gave up a ton. Yeah, also, Jonathan Shope signing a one-year deal with the Twins. He's been on the move quite a bit over the last couple seasons, uh, just a a a little over a year removed from being an all-star in Baltimore. So uh, that's a, a big pickup for the Twins, who are trying to stay relevant in the Central as well. Uh, we're going to get to oh, by the ways. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start. So uh, we, we haven't talked NBA on the show for a little bit. Uh, big performance out of Paul George last night as he scored 25 points in the fourth quarter against the Nets. Russell Westbrook also passed Jason Kidd uh, on the triple-double list. But Paul George just goes off in the fourth quarter, uh, has an outstanding finish, and they were able to come back from being down, I think it was 23 in that game, uh, to get the win on the road in Brooklyn. Obviously not you know necessarily a, a foe that you would be, be worried about on a schedule, but uh, pretty impressive performance out of Paul George and obviously Westbrook with a big game there as well. Uh, so the stars are coming out. You know The season's starting to get in full swing, and uh, we'll be talking a lot more NBA on future shows. Uh, Dan, what do you have for, oh, by the way, this time? Uh, well, I'll go with mix of baseball which we have talked about and some college football that we have not uh you know still a lot of speculation with kyler murray um well putting that speculation to rest i should say that he would actually not honor his uh his commitment to go and play in professional baseball and either you know returning to oklahoma or going to try to get drafted in the nfl uh but he's come he's confirmed says he will honor oakland's pick uh, and he will go play professional baseball. So just unreal career uh, and just kind of an unreal story. And, and what a way, what a life to live of go be quarterback at Oklahoma and be a first-round draft pick with, uh, you know, the what $8 million signing bonus or whatever already in his pocket. So uh, good for him. He's going to he's gonna hang up his helmet and cleats and go uh, pick up a different set of cleats and go play baseball confirmed after this year. Yeah, we'll see what he does here coming up in just a couple of weeks in uh, in his last game as a college, potentially his last game as a college football quarterback. Uh, Anshu, what do you have? Uh, yeah, really quick on that. I mean, the A's way overdrafted him, so if he didn't, it would be a huge bailout by him. Um, and also, he's now the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman, so he's likely to add Heisman to his highly decorated two-score career. Pretty amazing. Very. Um, so... My final, my oh, by the way, is having to do with college basketball, something we've barely touched on. Wisconsin plays Marquette this Saturday. Huge rivalry. Marquette's kind of owned Wisconsin the last two years. It's going to be fun because the Badgers are number 12 in the country, 8-1. and one. They've gotten some really good road and neutral wins. Thought I'd give a shout-out to Greg Dard and the Boys. They look good. Ethan Half looks awesome, like an All-American candidate. And Demetri Trice is a name to watch. He's uh, the next in a long line of very good Wisconsin point guard so keep an eye on those Badgers I think that they're going to make a decent second weekend type run this year I like it basketball will be loading up our shows here in the very near future as football is unfortunately coming to an end in just a few weeks and I know it's sad we'll have playoffs but uh but we'll, we'll we'll keep that rolling but definitely going to be talking more basketball on future shows anything for the good of the group from you guys 
Have a great weekend, guys. For Anchukana and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We will see you Monday.